You're listening to Real Crime, the Movie Sleuth Podcast. What's up, everybody? Hello. Hello. How are we doing tonight? You know, it's going. It's all right. Yeah. Well, we've been off for a couple <laughs> weeks again, but now we're back. Yeah. And we're all happy. Yeah. yeah and there's I'm actually happy. four of us here tonight wow. for once. Full house. That's weird. And Andrew's back and Michelle's back. Hey. Welcome yeah. back. Welcome back. And Cotter's here too. Yeah. Welcome back. back. <laughs> <laughs> He's like That's so fair. weird. And <laughs> 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 Mr. Cotter. It's a reboot of that show, but nearly yes. everybody else is dead. <laughs> it's the zombie version of Welcome Back, Cotter. That'd be pretty sweet, actually. Yeah. Zombies in high school. Yeah. Zombie John Travolta. Well, I mean, well okay. pretty much his he career. Looks, he looks zombie like honey. a zombie. Yeah. So this is episode 130. Wow. We kind of slowed down, though. It yeah. seems like we're actually only doing about two episodes a month. Yeah. Yeah. But I actually kind of like that. But they're more concentrated in yeah. quality. The more about, concentrated, the quality is yeah. better. It's like yeah. it's like the podcast equivalent of like the last of the Kool-Aid. <laughs> you know, in the picture, it's like yeah. really it's good and sweet. It's not, yeah. about, it's not about the amount. It's about the girth. <laughs> yeah, the girth. It's, it's a not girthy podcast. This is a it's girthy width. pod. Yeah. <laughs> It's about and how you know, it's deep kinda, they go. And you know, it's kind of <laughs> cold out, so maybe you shouldn't judge us for maybe having a shorter podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's a bit nipply out. Yeah. Well, let's get into our sponsors <laughs> before this completely slides off We're the rails. Just, yeah. <laughs> We're already there. We're already there. So, got to mention the Flint Institute of Arts, which uh, they just re-up for another year with us. So, awesome. uh, make sure you check those guys out when you can. Great museum. Hey, good idea, Tom. My buddy Tom just said he wants a Goonies-themed show. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'm into that. Can yeah. we get a full episode out of that, though? Of Goonies? Yeah, probably. Probably, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Even that we could talk about the Goonies video games, too. Like, Everybody just it out. stand yeah. up and start doing the truffle shuffle. Yeah. 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 That's how you start an episode. That'd be yeah. a good live episode. Uh, projectorscreen.com. Make sure you guys check those out for all your home theater needs. And then, of course, Matador Martial Arts, which yeah. are good fend... <laughs> We're gonna go back to that again, as opposed to, to as opposed to the Matador with the, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Yes, well, that it was inspired. By <laughs> it was inspired by Pierce Brosnan's The Matador. It was actually, you know, you'd think that, but it was inspired by his performance yeah. in Mamma Mia. <laughs> Your favorite movie? Oh yeah, Liam, actually, that's on my list. No, Liam loves true. Mamma Mia. It's his favorite of all time. Mm. Yeah, he's like, can we watch it again today? Yeah. I'm on Mio, let me go. <laughs> Is it going to be on Disney Plus? <laughs> in 4K right. streaming. Yeah. Okay. So in news this week, uh, the Shining sequel, Dr. Sleep, pretty much bombed at the box office, which people were a little bit shocked by. I don't really know what they were expecting from this movie. If they thought it was going to be yeah. a huge hit like it, I don't really think there was quite the audience there mm-hmm. for it. But I think it's only made like... 16 or 18 million dollars so far yeah well but, they should have released it on halloween yeah. why like release it a week yeah. after i don't know and also it was like a fluke 
so they're trying to replicate a fluke again you know like it just came out of nowhere everybody's like and everybody liked it like you know not every Stephen King story especially one that's a sequel to a movie that came out like 35 years ago is gonna you know make a big splash yeah because when was the original Shining 1980 yeah Yeah. 1980 and uh, it's a very long film too it might even be longer than the original Shining I think it's right around the same because it was two and a half hours yeah is it really that long yeah Yeah. it was really long we went to a press screening of it. Hey. I'm not going to really say much. I enjoyed it more than Andrew did. Andrew had his personal problems with it, with it doing ripping off a lot of the Kubrick stuff. Yeah. Um, I had one major issue with it, but I'm not going to mention that issue. Um, it has to do with one character showing up in the movie that I don't think should have been there. So um, basically the movie is just flopping across the board, not doing what they expected. So... Andy Serkis today, it was confirmed he will be playing Alfred Pennyworth in The Batman. Yeah. Stacking up to be a pretty good cast in there. Yeah, I really am. I don't know what they're going to do with these ingredients. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, it's just like there's really good, like really good casting, but I'm just like, all right, well, what's the story? He's like fighting like 40 villains. Like, is this like an old 60s Batman revival or something, you know, or is like a Who's villain the director or- of it going to be? Do they know? Yeah, it's uh, Matt Reeves. He did oh, the it is last, Matt Reeves. Yeah. Okay. yeah, he did the last yeah. couple uh, Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Which those were good. Yeah. I think he's a great choice as a director. Yeah. Um, you know, and this casting is just amazing across the board. Yeah. You know, so I think I think it's going to work out to be good. I still wish Ben Affleck had stuck around, but yeah, we're not going to get back into all that again. <laughs> yeah. All right. So in vinyl news, we never do vinyl news. So Ooh. this week we actually have some vinyl news. I picked up on this last night. Mondo Tees is actually releasing this Friday a three album Lost soundtrack set. So it's going to have three like multicolored vinyls in it. And uh, I guess there's like 18 tracks and a big portion of it is a live like a live concert and them performing some of the score. Oh, that's neat. That's yeah. cool. So I want to pick it up. It's like 50 bucks, though. So I might have to wait till that goes bargain bin before mm-hmm. I pick yeah. that one up. Mondo T's also announced a 2001 A Space Odyssey vinyl repressing, and they're going to do it at uh, 45 RPM on both platters. I'm not sure what the quality difference is. Supposedly it sounds better at 45, but I can't speak to it myself. There is, this isn't like vinyl news, but Mondo's also Mondo sponsors. Uh, yeah. They're also releasing uh, a Godzilla clothing line that I want just everything in. Also <laughs> on Friday, it's got like a Mothra hoodie and like all this cool stuff. Just in case you're into Godzilla and like shirts. Mondo has <laughs> like everything. Yeah, and that's all. They're just pretty good quality. I mean, I've never gotten anything from them that was bad. Yeah, they're just expensive and everything's always limited, and you have to buy it in one second. I think the clothing line, obviously, it'll probably make more than, like, one shirt, hopefully. Yeah, they're always putting out really cool stuff. Yeah. And, unfortunately, I just can't afford anything right now. <laughs> yeah. So, sponsor us, Mondo, like Mondo, Michelle said. please. Please sponsor us. Please, Mondo. Please, we love you. I, I'll work for Godzilla shirts. Yeah. Michelle, pull your microphone a little closer. Liam, you can pull yours a little closer, too. Does that sound better? <sighs> yeah. Right there. Go deep. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do ASMR. Uh, yeah. An entire... God, that'd be the here worst... Right here, con- Listen. That'd be the worst podcast. Just, my favorite movie of 2011. Dude, I would super... <laughs> I, really, I loved Drive. I think Nicholas Wynn and Raph 
Dude, oh, I would super oh, listen to an ASMR like movie podcast. So for real. Really? Like in somebody's like crinkling like paper like no. next to it while they're talking. No, that would terrify. What if they were just crinkling paper and just saying the titles of movies? Yes. Okay, that I've, would work. I've I've watched weirder ASMR videos than that. So. Pee-wee's big adventure. In between eating uh, like some chips, bonbons, and Pee-wee, get out of that theater. Pizza. That's always the grossest when the, they make really funny food sounds. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like cannibals, but they're like eating something like like a candy bar or yeah. something, and it sounds like it's just the mic picks up every noise that I man know. should not hear. Cannibalism. I saw it on TV. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Other news: Blumhouse has officially announced that there's going to be a new Paranormal Activity in 2021. I couldn't care less. They also announced a Fantasy Island horror movie. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's a trailer. Yeah, the trailer for it. came it's out. Bananas. Yeah. How do you how do you make a horror film out of Fantasy Island? Well, that kind of was though. The original show, like when I was a kid, watching Fantasy Island, like at my grandparents' house on Friday nights, like that in the Love Boat. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of horror elements to the original TV oh, show shit. with Ricardo Montalban. And Some of the shit that happened, like them going to like volcanoes <laughs> and caverns and crazy stuff. Like I can see how they're doing this. And it's got Herv in it. Herv Villakees from yeah, uh, Forbidden yeah, Zone yeah. and Malatessa's Carnival of Blood. Yes, yes. Yeah. I don't know. I think that might be cool. Yeah, it, look, it looked fun. I mean, I think if you're going to do a remake of something or a reboot, yeah. change it. Yeah. They did that with the Banana Splits movie. I never saw that. I Is haven't it seen it yet. Oh. I wanted to I wanted to rent it, but I'm I'm not sure if it's like worth my time. Yeah. So, nothing's worth your time. Nothing's worth my time. <laughs> it's precious. <laughs> my precious. If you get some laughs out of it, then maybe it'll be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I you know, I'm just hesitant. I was waiting for that joint to hit Netflix. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. In new releases this week, we've got Ford versus Ferrari, which Liam saw. Yeah. His review will be posted in a couple days. We've got The Warrior Queen of Johnsy, which I believe Ben reviewed, correct? Yeah. That yeah. is posted now on the moviesleuth.com. Uh, Charlie's Angels, which, you know, I'm all for Charlie's Angels, and I love the women that are in this movie, but it looks like a total shit pile. Yeah. I really probably will not see this in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the Irishman expands to more theaters yeah. this week, so in limited release. Yeah. So our review of that just went live today, and that will be going to Netflix, I believe, next week. Yeah, that I think the twenty third or twenty fourth. Yeah, so another week and a half or so on that one. Yeah, the watch Birmingham, it on Thanksgiving with your family. Yeah, the Birmingham Eight gets it on uh, the twenty second, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know the main gets it on Friday. The main is getting it. Yep. Oh, cool. They three had and a, a half hours. Yeah, three and a half hours. Yeah. You'll feel them. Yes. <laughs> I was feeling it last night at The Godfather Part Two. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, three and a half hours? Yeah, yeah. And they had an intermission, but they only had it on for like two minutes and then started the movie up again. <laughs> I'll say this about The Irishman. The best thing about it to me was not just the story or the storytelling or any of that it was really seeing De Niro and Pacino act again yeah they weren't just caricatures of themselves yeah. they actually Absolutely. fell back to like okay we're these actual characters yeah it's not what like, especially with Pacino so over Pacino the top of the past 15 is, or 20 years mm-hmm. 
he's not screaming and yelling in this movie at all. He just talks and yeah. it works. De Niro has a really is really good in this movie and there's a scene that like I was like, "Oh shit, I forgot this guy can it packs a punch. He can mm-hmm. actually emote." Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a really really interesting movie. Yeah. And Joe Pesci. Joe Pet Jeez. I haven't seen Joe Pesci in something in a long time. Joe like, Pesci retired. And yeah. he came back just for Irishman? And yep. he's oh, okay. he's terrific in it. Joe Pesci's like, ah, Scorsese, okay. Yeah. All right, well, fine. Okay, okay. how am I fine? Okay. He probably okay. didn't want to ruin okay. He probably okay. didn't want to be in like okay. stuff like okay. Dirty Grandpa. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or like Jack and Jill. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, respect for that. You know. He showed up yeah. on set and went, where's the strong box, you fucking varmint, you? <laughs> you <laughs> motherfucker, you. You motherfucker, you. Does he talk like that in the Motherfucking movie? mutt. No, he's kind of he's kind of laid back in the movie, yeah. but Is it's a different key? it's a different kind of like we're so used to seeing him as like the crazy kind of like yeah. terrier kind of yipping at people and he's this, not he's, in this. He's kind of calm and collected. He he very controlled. Very yeah, it's an interesting performance. Oh, good. And that's from all of them this time yeah. because yeah. it's a true story. I mean, I know like Goodfellas is a true story, but they had the realm and the area to move and act out and crazy and shit in that movie. Mm. This one, it's just very controlled atmosphere Yeah, because it's kind of a true story. Yeah. 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 It's, I would say it's controlled and it's also like it covers more ground than Goodfellas does. It's kind of ambitious. Like it, it takes you through at least like five decades of history. Yeah. It's an epic. So like bring your diaper or something. Bring your diaper. (laughs) Yeah. And bring small children because they will oh, they're, definitely enjoy they're this one. They're gonna love. Yes, yeah, like five year olds will love the killings in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna uh, love it. You're gonna love it. They're gonna love yeah, Joe. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna love watching Al Pacino eat ice cream. <laughs> oh, there's so many scenes of ice cream <laughs> in this movie he too. Fucking loves Loved it. Ice cream. I do like ice cream. I do like ice cream. You've sold, you've sold me on that. Oh, you like ice cream? Yeah. <laughs> a girl like ice cream. Is that how he says it? He's yeah. like, no, yeah, he just, he loves it. He, there's a whole sequence where he's like busting some guy's chops trying to like eat ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. All right, moving on. <laughs> Suggested viewings. I guess I'll start. I'm going to have to suggest The Mandalorian. It actually kind of blew me away. Yeah. We all know what a Star Wars fan I am, but I know the new movies are flawed in their own way, just like everything else. The Mandalorian was the first time I've seen any Star Wars movie, including Rogue One. This is the first time I've watched something where I felt like, holy shit, they got it. Like, literally, the Mandalorian looks and feels and sounds like the original trilogy. It feels like George Lucas is like in the room, like this is my Star Wars, yeah. and that's how and he, he it really there. felt. The little bit of humor is there. There's a ton of quotable lines, and there I have spoken. You know, <laughs> there's the action is there, but the action is not overplayed. Mm-hmm. It's very realistic, like gunplay scenarios and stuff. Yeah, and they use the visual effects to like perfect effect. Yeah. There's not too much and they show very little but it says a lot so if you haven't checked out disney plus yet this is literally the only thing i've watched on there so far yeah 
but that catalog is insane. Yeah, the they have new 4K masters of Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, you should watch the Master of New Hope. There's a great uh there's a great new scene in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just couldn't leave it alone. No, I love that like he could not even before he sold those movies, he had to get one more edit in on that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. All right, Andrew, what's yours this week? Um I'm going to go with Parasite. That was mine. Sorry. <laughs> you can share it. No. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I have a favorite now. Probably, <laughs> uh, probably the most surprising and uh, consistently engaging. One of the funniest movies of the year and uh, really cross crosses genres and defies expectations almost scene after scene. Like, there's, there's some scenes in it where it manages to traverse four different genres at once and you don't see how they do it. It, it just happens naturally. It's, um, yeah, one of my favorite movies of the year, definitely. And I don't know if it's my favorite Bong Joon-ho film, but it's, um, it's definitely up there and it definitely deserved the Palm door. That's my recommendation for this week. Michelle, what's yours? Uh... <laughs> I stole it. Uh, has anybody picked a lighthouse? Nope. Okay. Well, that's mine then. Uh, So my pick is The Lighthouse, which is actually, it's just a great, (laughs) I don't even know how to describe it. This is like a black and white, scary comedy about two people that are living in close quarters that hate each other. And there's like some kind of Lovecraftian cosmic horror thing going on. And it's like hilarious at times and frightening at others. And it's weird and art house and um has a fantastic uh Willem Dafoe performance in it. Probably one of the best performances I've seen this year. Like I want yeah. him to win an Oscar for it. Like it's just an absolute out there performance like and Robert Pattinson's really good in it too, but obviously mm-hmm. it's Dafoe. Like, you know, he's Yeah. He's just the king. He just owns every moment in that movie. Um and I'm surprised it it, it got kind of a wide release too, especially for an art house movie. A24 kind of put it out there a little more um, so it's probably pretty easy for most people to see. Easier to see. Yeah, it's been yeah. pretty accessible. Probably actually. easier to see than Parasite. Parasite's still a little limited in some places, probably because yeah. it's a, a foreign movie. Um, but yeah, so if you have a chance to check out the Lighthouse in the theater, uh, don't spill your beans. Yeah. <laughs> Damn ye! That was my suggestion. <laughs> um, <laughs> Damn ye! <laughs> Hark! Was it? <laughs> was no, it? Oh, okay. I just wanted to say, damn you. <laughs> That's, yeah, I, I loved Willem Dafoe in that movie. Um, don't like I, my cooking? <laughs> that whole scene you don't was like great. don't like me lobster? <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. Just and that on. makes, and it doesn't make more sense after you've seen it either. Like, if you're probably like, lobster, what the hell? It doesn't make sense in the movie no. either. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be as equally confused. Um <laughs> Hmm. It's also probably the filthiest movie since Hard to Be a God. Yeah, I that's mean, pretty grimy and yeah. grungy and dusty and it's moist. <laughs> like, it looks like it wasn't a comfortable movie for those actors to make. It I don't think like... it was. No. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> Robert yeah. Pattinson said he for reals peed his pants. Well, that's good for him. To, and for to be getting character. Hopefully he doesn't pee in the bat suit. I did that <laughs> I to get in character in fifth grade. <laughs> At the, slumber, at the slumber party? Yeah. I'm just a method actor. I just wanted to go home. <laughs> you got oh, one? Oh, I do, yeah. I do. 
I'm 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 tired. It's been a long couple days. Um, I guess my suggested viewing uh, this week is Jojo Rabbit. Um, I have liked Taika Waititi a lot, and I found this film to be provocative and interesting and really compelling. Uh, I liked all the performances in it. I'm normally not big on Scarlett Johansson, but I think she's really good in Jojo Rabbit. And I really um, like the kid, the main kid who plays Jojo. I think he's terrific. And also his friend kind of looks like uh, like the kid version of Nick Frost. He does. <laughs> and it's just, it's a really, really sharply well-directed and interesting movie. It's actually getting a lot of critique. Yeah. I, which, which I'm not ex- I, surprised. I'm not, I'm not surprised, but I feel like people are kind of purposely missing the point of it mm-hmm. like i actually saw a review that said it was a pro-nazi movie and i was like <laughs> yeah i was like you mean the movie where somebody says fuck hitler in it that's the pro-nazi movie right right well i saw someone say it's this year's green book and or, yeah, or some shit too. like that and i'm like no it's not no stop saying that no you be you're... nice to watiti no he's a beautiful man <laughs> i was like I'm, i was like no I, I was like you're entitled to your opinion but that's wrong that is wrong that's i'm sorry <laughs> wrong yeah no nah, they're like opinions can't be that wrong grossly you know? inaccurate no yeah. <laughs> yeah i go watch it it's Jojo great Rabbit. oh yeah w- everybody should watch it make their own decision about mm-hmm. it don't you know yeah i've not seen it yet and i've not seen the lighthouse but i've been too busy with other stuff you should do like a double feature that's, yeah, that's what wrong. i did it's just yeah. like lobsters and nazis <laughs> I would like the lobster and Nazis, please. And that sounds beans. like mad foxes. Yeah. Do you wanna do you want a platter or how are we gonna fix that situation? <laughs> I get some butter for my Nazis and lobster. <laughs> All right. Moving on. So this week we're talking about some of our favorite movies of the last decade. That's right. We're coming to the end here pretty quick. Yeah. So the next few weeks I imagine we're probably gonna be doing quite a few of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking like maybe our favorite sci fi films of the last yeah. decade, maybe horror. We're gonna do our best of the year. Because we yeah. never do this really. And I no. think we should yeah. be doing that more. So the next few weeks will be a lot of best of stuff. And maybe for once we could do a worst of show. Because we've never yeah. I would Ever love to I would love to do a show. worst of show. The worst of the year? Yeah. Oh, the worst I, haven't of the year. Seen, I haven't seen a lot of bad movies this year, actually. Oh, you should watch Brightburn. That's pretty shitty. <laughs> I love Brightburn. Me and Andrew watched Brightburn the other night. I, I thought garbage. it kinda ended abruptly, but I yeah. I was entertained. I, I kinda laughed garbage. when when uh <laughs> I liked it better than Doctor Sleep. <laughs> I thought that was the funniest <laughs> like uh, in I was the like, world. Wow, that's exactly the song I thought I was gonna play it, and it did. Might laser your dad guy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, is it cool if I start? Yeah. Yeah. No. No. (laughs) I'm going to go home. He's going to pick Parasite. (laughs) (laughs) I I am not going to pick Parasite. (laughs) I've not seen Parasite either. Okay. I'm going to go with Dan Gilroy's 2014 film starring Jake. Hall, Nightcrawler. Fuck yeah, oh, that's on my movie. list. <laughs> this is one of those movies I just can't get enough of. Mm. This is one of those like every six month type watch movies. Yeah. Like, I have to pop this movie in. Um, me and Andrew have talked about this at length and this was on our list as a spiritual remake. Spiritual remake. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically an update of Taxi Driver. Yeah. In 
I say so there's, many ways. I say there's also a little bit of King of Comedy in Nightcrawler, especially with the relationship between him and it's Nina is the is the yeah. woman that he works with. Yeah, where she she said what does she say something about like it's like picture our news just being like a bloody woman with her throat slit screaming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just think there's a lot of great social commentary in this movie mm-hmm. that follows through right until now. You know, that whole thing about, you know, being an ambulance chaser. It's a disgusting profession. And, like, this dude is so socially awkward, and he's just looking for anything to latch on to. So what does he do? He finds his career in... News. News. Being an ambulance chaser, basically. And, like I said, it's so similar to Taxi Driver, how he's kind of like a social pariah. He doesn't really know how to relate to women, and he just kind of, like, latches on to Renee Russo's character Mm -hmm. the same way that he did in Taxi Driver with Sybil Shepard. There's so many comparisons to be made. It just feels like an update of Taxi Driver to me. But Nightcrawler, literally, like, I saw this movie the first time by myself, and there's, like, nobody in the theater you know, it was like opening day when I saw it too. There's nobody there. I yeah. And I just remember being blown away. And I remember like I've always liked Jake Gyllenhaal and everything, yeah. but this kind of upped his the momentum on his acting capabilities. He was like on a little roll there. He was yeah. like did Enemy yeah. and he did he had um, Prisoners. And... Prisoners, yeah. Um, what was the other one with the uh, with the story? And it was, uh, you know, like a story within a story. Nocturnal Animals. Yeah, Nocturnal oh. Animals. He was really good in that, too. And it was like, those were all made in this like, little like three-year period where he yeah. was taking all these good-ass roles. And like I remember thinking, oh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, he's yeah. really coming yeah. out of Nocturnal Animals is phenomenal. Yeah, I really that's a good like movie. that one, too. That dual-tiered story in that yeah. is great. But yeah, um, Nightcrawler, like I said, just every few months, I'm like, what am I going to watch tonight? Yeah. Oh, Nightcrawler. It's just <laughs> one of those that you can really just like latch on to. Yeah. And you never get bored with it. It's such a lean movie. Like there's no like every shot and line and moment is motivated. It's really, really fantastically edited. Like there's this, oh, yeah. I think of the moment like the montage where he's upgrading the car. Yeah. And like in other movies, it would just be like long scenes where we see him get it. And it's just within the span of like 30 seconds done. And it feels smooth and and just amazing. Well, and Bill Paxton, yeah, he's in great. This in this film it. is phenomenal too. I really liked the uh, the assistant guy who helps Jake Gyllenhaal. I can't remember the actor's name for the life of me, but he like his reaction throughout the movie as it gets more and more fucked up, and he's kind of like the voice of clarity. Just gets like it's just it's Riz Ahmed. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like him in that one. Yeah, he was in Rogue One as well. Was he? He was the pilot, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, so we can move off Nightcrawler. Somebody else, give me one. Um, I'm gonna go with Paul Thomas Anderson's film, The Master, which was 2012. Was that when that came out? Yeah. Um, uh, basically, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson taking on uh, the biography of the Church of Scientology very loosely through. Uh, this uh, World War II veteran who is suffering from PTSD, can't seem to reintegrate into society, tries a number of different programs, none of them work, and sort of happens upon, uh, it's it's called the, what, the cause in the movie? I can't remember what the name mm, of I'm it is. I'm pretty sure it yeah. is. And 
they make it as unofficial as they can, but it basically is L. Ron Hubbard in the Church of Scientology. And even though it the character happens upon it, it's ultimately a character study about Joaquin Phoenix's character, Freddie Quell, which uh, if you look at the new 2019 Joker in that film, you can see he was playing this role many years earlier and the way he contorts his back to accentuate mm-hmm. his shoulder blades and just looks very... Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Just looks yeah. very uh, physically gaunt, and uh, also it was arguably before Tarantino started doing the seventy millimeter roadshow with the Hateful Eight, and before Christopher Nolan did it with Interstellar. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson reignited the seventy millimeter bug in uh, movie houses with The Master, which is still one of the best looking movies of the decade. Yeah. Has a really great score too. Yeah, the uh, Johnny, Johnny Greenwood. Greenwood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I listen to that score a lot. It's like really, um, I don't, I don't want to say it's overpowering, but it is like it's, not in a bad way though. It's just very prominent. Like, it's kind of dreamlike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a scene in that where it's towards the beginning where Joaquin Phoenix is being interrogated by the head of the of the of the cult like he's asking him all those questions mm-hmm. and it's like i felt like i was holding my breath for like 10 minutes watching that part it's just so good and I, and like you said yeah joker is t- like joaquin phoenix can play that in his sleep now mm-hmm. yeah like he's done so many versions of like you know an off-kilter person or somebody with ptsd because the the character in the master he has ptsd as well mm-hmm. um so I think that was like kind of the beginning of Joaquin. I think he's getting a little typecast now, to be honest. Yeah. It's like yeah. the, they're like, dang, we need somebody that's really good at being, you know, a broken person. Yeah. Get like, Joaquin on the phone. It's like, hey, Joaquin, what you did with, what you did in the master, just tweak it a little for this movie. Yeah. Because yeah. he did, uh, you, you were uh, never really here. You were never really here. And he's the, it's the same character again. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but it's the same type of role. Like, yeah. I felt like mm. in You Were Never Really Here, he was a little more strong. Yeah. He didn't feel quite... Like, he was broken, but he had more purpose, I felt yeah. like, in that movie versus these two. Yeah. yeah. And You Were Never Really yeah. Here, he has to be kind of like that because he's what his job is. It's not necessarily, yeah. like, something he... You know. <laughs> but, he, man, he went from that to Joker. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just laughing at Josh Parks. Sorry. Uh, He He just said we should stop talking about this. We should start talking about Disney Plus aspect ratio. (laughs) Uh, Just for the Simpsons. Let me get me started on that. (laughs) And the stretching, not just the cropping, but the stretching of the image. So everybody looks fat. Yeah, it's terrible. That's why I canceled that shit. It's my favorite release (laughs) of this decade. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Michelle, what's your first one? Um. Well, I I picked one from 2010, and uh, it's Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Fuck yeah! I Hell really yeah. like that movie. This movie is a I like the comic that it's based on, and B it's like super nerdy in the kind of way that's specifically to the my nerdy tastes, like Nintendo and like it. It's actually in it's like a video game movie that's not about any singular video game, which is interesting too. And Edgar Wright's also the king of editing. And this movie's so like kinetic and uh, well edited and fast paced, and there's joke, there's visual jokes every two seconds, yeah. and like the characters are great, and I don't know, it's just like super nerdy in a way that I really enjoy. It's got good music, it's fun, it's an interesting premise. 
Michael Sarah in this movie. Yeah. That's the yeah. most Michael Sarah movie ever. Yeah. Like he was born to <laughs> be Scott that role. Pilgrim. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But yeah, it's one of my I think it's my favorite Edgar Wright movie actually. I know it's probably like a weird mm. pick. No, See, it's this not, it's not a weird pick. No. But it's just the most specific to my taste, I guess, because yeah. of just just how like nerdy. It's like very 1980s video game nerdy. Mm. And it's like a lot of people like, you know, that got their start there. Like, what's his butt? Chris, Brie Larson. Yeah, too. Brie Larson, Chris Evans. I want to say you got to start there, but like he, he's, that's the first movie that he really was like, what was he in before? Not another teen movie. And then he was Fantastic yeah. Four. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I just like yeah. wipe those from no, my that's brain. Good. That's the way to. <laughs> and this was the first post Superman Returns movie for Brandon Routh as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What is he still in things? Yeah, he's on. Uh, well, he's, he's now, on CW. He does. Uh, he's he's on playing the, Superman again. Well, yeah, he's doing that. Infinite but... Earth and he's thing. the Adam. Oh yeah, that's Legends right. Legends of Tomorrow. Oh yeah. okay. Yeah. I just can't dig on those shows. Yeah. No, I don't watch any of them. No, thank you. No. <laughs> yeah, I love Scott Pilgrim. This is another one yeah. of those. It's like at least a yearly yeah. thing. Yeah, I watch it every couple of years. It's it's one of my favorites. I just and every time I watch it, I find something new in mm-hmm. it a new little joke that passed me by or i don't know just every, bread makes you fat yeah <laughs> every time the vegan police yes chicken isn't vegan <laughs> i don't know why it's so funny to me jello he's <laughs> like so milk dumb. and eggs bitch it's yeah so milk dumb. and eggs bitch yeah well you think he ate chicken chicken alfredo that's what he or ate it was chicken parm oh yeah it was chicken <laughs> parm. he's like chicken isn't vegan <laughs> it's he had everyone in that movie has like perfect line delivery. Yeah, perfect timing, perfect comedic timing. Like Kieran Culkin, fucking kills me in that. Yeah. Movie. yeah, he's so great. All right, Liam, give us one. All right, I'm going uh, all the way to 2015, and I'm gonna pick one of my favorite movies. One of my favorite theater experiences of all time was Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, I adore this movie i think it's a, the best action movie of this decade i agree easily um easily, yeah. just incredibly well shot incredibly written incredibly acted um i think it was the best movie of 2015 uh it should have won best picture no offense to spotlight spotlight was fine Spotlight was super boring. Yeah, there was not enough Av- there was average. not enough guitars with that were on fire in yeah. it. yeah see <laughs> that's what it needed they needed l- less depressing pedophile stuff in spotlight yeah. and more flame guitars flame or maybe guitars. flame guitar <laughs> pedophiles <laughs> i don't know or light the pedophiles on fire with the flaming Boom. guitars and run them over with the vehicles in the desert yeah you know what that you know what we call that smart yeah sharp yeah <laughs> <laughs> That would win Best Picture. It probably would. Um, but I, I think Fury Road is just, it's so good. because And it's also like the product of a troubled production. Like if you hear how it took them nearly three, like years and years to make this movie. And the fact that it's so good. It took them three decades to get three this movie decades. made. Mm-hmm. 30 years. And Tom yeah. Hardy said really? that when he was filming, he thought it was going to be awful. So he like yeah. really wasn't trying super hard. So, but luckily he's I mean, just a he's, strong silent type in it. Yeah. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. I was gonna make a joke about Venom, but I was like, he didn't try with that movie. No. <laughs> but yeah, he, he thought he said the whole time he was filming, it, he thought it was gonna be horrible. 
you hear about how he uh, he made T-shirts of himself putting Alejandro Gonzalez in your E2 in a headlock while making <laughs> the Revenant? Yeah, that would make sense. I'd probably I'd probably choke out in your E2 for some of the shit he pulled on that oh, movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, you want me to eat a bison liver? How? He's like, how much do you want this Oscar, DiCaprio? He's like, will you eat a bison liver on camera for me? Will you sleep <laughs> in a bear? Do it. <laughs> He's like, I bet you won't do it, you fucking pussy. And then, oh, <laughs> and then he it's, did. It's the prestige movie version of Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> when did The Revenant come out? That was 2015 also. Tom Hardy had a great year yeah. in 2015. And mm. funny, I'm gonna, my next one's going to be from 2015 as well. Ooh, That's a good year. 2015. But, yeah, but dude, Fury yeah. Road, oddly, I remember when I heard it was being made. Like, it was coming out, and I was like... There's no way it's going to be good. It's like yeah. way later. You know, like those sequels, they make like 10, 15, 20 years later, yeah. never good. And then I watched it. We went to a screening and I was blown absolutely out of my gourd. Like I was like, what the? This is like the greatest action show I've ever seen in my life. Like I was like, bl- I was so blown away by it. <laughs> Literally just came out of him, of the movie just like in a daze. Yeah. Like what happened? Like adrenaline like it yeah. was crazy and I, I saw that movie like five times in the theater because i was like you oh, have yeah. to fucking see this movie yeah. i was like it's so Remember good when we saw it the first time it was an yeah. epic yeah oh, I, yeah i think, well, it was, I think it was at, i was at that yeah. screening i think yeah, yeah. you were <laughs> yeah and it's like all and a lot of it's practical work too which yeah. you don't see a lot i mean it's practical mixed with cgi and compositing yeah. and all that but I would say the majority of it is is practical in camera work with yeah. post processing. It's funny because when we saw you there, we were all making fun of you. We were all like, <laughs> "Yeah, look at that, look at that fucker." <laughs> yeah. The stunts in that movie are really mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. Those uh, those uh, <clears throat> characters that were coming down on uh, oh, those yeah, bars, yeah. yeah, and they're going like seventy miles an hour as they're doing just it. Going, and you, and that. like you just can't imagine like the first time you're watching that and then you're like you just hear a guitar in the distance and you're like oh is that part of the soundtrack because it's like it's you know just... yeah and then all of a sudden a guy with a fucking flame guitar comes out and his sole purpose is just to be a flame guitar he's guy a, he's a hype man that's all he yeah he's a fucking hype man to hear the hype man and I'm just like, what is happening in this movie? There's what? This is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> what? I love what? all the I love all the performances in there. Like on rewatch, some of them really grow. Like I love the uh, Nux, the war boy. His arc is so heartbreaking. To and me. he has an arc, but he doesn't really barely talk. But that's yeah. how good it is. And it's it's such a brilliant performance. The guy who Nicholas Holt, who I've seen in other movies, and I'm like, no, oh, he's all right. Yeah. I liked him in the favorite, but um, but in Mad Max, he was so good. I have a brother. And he was perfect in every way. <laughs> it's, that's when I watch like every six months. Yeah, that's a good one. It's All also right. cool in black and white too. Yeah, I love the I the love the chrome, black and white cut the of black that. and chrome. I think they call it. And that's yes. what started that whole thing. Where now, like every other movie has a black and, and white. Yeah, cut. Logan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, has a black and white. The mist. But that came before. Actually, uh, I think the mist started. The it. mist, yeah. 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 I, I actually the, prefer it in black and white. The yeah, mist. it's better. It makes it, it more like a Twilight Zone yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It covers it up f- some of that shitty CGI the, too. Or uh, <laughs> yeah, CGI in that movie. Lady Vengeance, where <laughs> yeah. an hour into the movie, the color slowly fades to black and white. That's cool too. That's a cool version. Yeah. All right. So next one, 2015. <laughs> S. Craig Zoller's first. Release, yes, this Bone is Tomahawk. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, this movie is just, f- sorry, it's fucking phenomenal. 
Yeah. The character development in this movie is so great because it's just like, you just get it all through the dialogue. You just, you get this tale of what they've all gone through to get Mm. here through just them just talking to each other, you know? Kurt Russell in this movie. He's really good. Yeah. And you know, like he's setting himself up for, um, uh, the hateful eight. Yeah. With yeah. This, he just walks around with a cool going. beard. The same year, right? Yeah. 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 Wow. But like, what a like, what a breakout movie. Because mm-hmm. this was his first full length release, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, the violence in this movie is brutal, but the idea of crossing a western in horror together into one thing, like just throw them in the blender. Like, the entire movie, you're like, oh, it's a really cool Western. Like, yeah, yeah they're going out there, you know, they're going to find this lady, blah, 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 blah. She's been kidnapped. You're like, oh, it's like an old Clint Eastwood, yeah. like, spaghetti Western. And then fucking cannibals. That was that, like, there's that sound they make with the, I think it's like the piece of their throat or yeah. whatever where they do that. That's the scariest sound in the world in that whole movie. It's funny because my boyfriend, I, you know. We're watching it, and I didn't really know. I didn't really look into the movie too much. I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, I just." I was like, "I heard it's a western with camels." That's all I knew. So he comes, and he and we're watching it, and we're like three beers deep, and <laughs> then the scene happens. You know the one I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. Where little chicken wing stuff starts happening. <laughs> chicken. <laughs> and my boyfriend like paused the movie. He just looks at me, Michelle. What the fuck? He was like so betrayed. <laughs> what did you do? He was that like, ha- you just said this was a Western with horror in it. And it was like super horrible. And that happened just, like, to me. Split that too, fucker though, in half. When I saw that, oh, when I, I saw that movie, I didn't know there was like horror. I didn't know there was cannibal shit in it. So that happened. And then I was like, what? What What the fuck? What? <laughs> no, I knew I, there were cannibals, but I just didn't know the yeah. degree of the film like like how intense it was going to be well i had read a review that said it's the hills have eyes meets a western and i'm like oh that sounds pretty rad you know and i'm watching it <laughs> down here and i'm like oh this is pretty cool like all the characters are great like even yeah. matthew fox i really like this his movie, character like he's never good he's never good in anything <laughs> he's barely good in lost he's you know? the worst character on lost yeah but then he gets into Bone Tomahawk, and you're like, oh, dude, you're like total douchebag in this movie, but you're yeah. awesome at that. Keep doing that, Matthew mm. Fox. I like Richard Jenkins a lot in yeah. Bone Tomahawk. Richard Jenkins is always awesome. Yeah. Like in everything. I just remember like, they get to that cave, and that happens. They fucking split that guy in half, and it literally like, being like, oh, no way. <laughs> Pause. Rewind. I watch it like five times. <laughs> that just fucking happened? Did that just happen? Yeah. And that's the cool thing about us, Craig Zoller, is if you look at the three movies he's had out, yeah. he kind of repeats his formula mm-hmm. in all of them. Like, you've got tons of buildup, and then... Really explosive. Explosive yeah. thing happens, yeah. you know? But yeah, Bone Tomahawk, great way to break out with kind of an indie flick. Yeah. Yeah. Casting's awesome, and again, this is one of those that I watch all the time. And he's yeah. really great at writing dialogue, too. Yeah, like, yeah. That's very, his forte, I think. It's very writerly in how he, he kind of writes it. I don't want to say Tarantino-like, but there's a rhythm to it, to yeah. Zoller's dialogue. And it works really well in the Old West. Part of, like, I like the other two movies he's done, mm-hmm. but it's all, there's little moments that sound, like, off when you put that in modern times. Yeah. Like, there's a, what, there's something in, like, Brawl and Cell Block 99 that Vince Vaughn says that made me go, who <laughs> talks like that? Yeah. Well, I feel, I feel like he's, uh, like, he's a weird mixture of, 
I don't want to say he's like pretentious because I don't like the word pretentious, but mm-hmm. but he he's like grindhouse like adjacent. Like I can tell that he really wants to write these like kind of deeper stories, but he also likes fucking grindhouse movies. So he's like, I want to have Vince Vaughn speaking like Shakespeare, but I also want him stop curb stomping some guy's face into the and sliding yeah. him across the concrete. <laughs> like how can I have these two things in one movie? You know. And he does, and it works. I feel yeah. like he does a really good job of writing this fantastic dialogue that normally wouldn't be in a Grindhouse movie, but also having this horrific cartoonish violence that wouldn't be in like this dialogue-heavy character study. So mm-hmm. he like mixes the two things together pretty successfully. Yeah, I, I think he does a good job, but there's like little... Just for me, where yeah. I'm like, okay. I think he's a little self-indulgent. And, yeah. And I, I would say Dragged Across across Concrete is his most in, self-indulgent movie to the point where I think it hampers it the a whole, little. It's three hours, whole, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The whole let's sit on an entire steakout and watch you eat a sandwich real fucking time. <laughs> like, it's cool. It's what funny on the... paper, but. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I actually like that movie. But I, 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 just, I, I like you. Dragged Across Concrete, but that, that scene in the theater, I was laughing because it kept going. Yeah, it was like so long. I'm like. Is this like the Turin horse of like his movies or something? <laughs> Mel Gibson's so good in that movie. He too. is really yeah. good. It's like he plays. It's like he just let told Mel Gibson to be himself because like you know Mel Gibson's turned into like crotchety asshole dude now, yeah. and he's just like and like but it works for Dragged Across Concrete because yeah. that's what yeah. he's that's his character. He so sounds like he ate a bunch of concrete. Yeah, in the whole movie <laughs> like it's just like it's like the perfect movie to harness Mel Gibson's Gibson energy. Yeah. That he has his All Gibson right. power. Andrew, you're next. Okay, um, this isn't really a movie per se, but um, I know some of it played in theater in some venues. Um, my favorite thing of the decade period is uh, Twin Peaks: The Return, aka Twin Peaks season three, which picks up 25 years after the second season and the movie ended. And when they were first talking about doing it, I thought I'd seen everything that I could possibly see out of david lynch he's just repeating himself at this point but i'm on board you know it'll be a whatever just not even halfway into the first episode it completely completely upends what you think twin peaks is going to be about what you think you know about twin peaks what you think you know about david lynch he he just completely throws it into a blender and and it alienated a few fans and uh, longtime Lynch followers who thought this this is not the Twin Peaks that I grew up with. And it just keeps getting more and more surprising and b- bizarre and imaginative. And then we happen upon the eighth episode, which, well, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no words for the grandeur that that struck. That was on par with the ending to Kubrick's 2001, in my opinion. What what do you think, Liam? I I love Twin Peaks: The Return. I like it more than the original. Um, I think it's kind of mind blowing. It's very expansive in its scale, and it it does blur the line between TV and movie mm-hmm. a lot. Like I've never seen something like yeah, we have auteur television with things like Breaking Bad and The Sopranos, but this felt like like a mo- like an auteur movie. Mm-hmm. kind of like every week it would be like 50 minutes in twin peaks and or we'd have a moment in las vegas with dougie jones mm-hmm. or or we go into the origin of the atomic bomb mm-hmm. and it, it was just such a like encompassing vision and it was just amazing 
visually spectacular too mm. even not just for television but you could play any episode of that show in the theater and it would yeah. still it would rival if not put to bed many of the big budget blockbuster summer movies that come out each year yeah this is so visually arresting it's a good you know example of what happens when you let an artist just have creative creative freedom mm-hmm like, just let David Lynch do his thing, you know? And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But if it does work, and it did, then you get masterpiece stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I loved um, Kyle MacLachlan's performances in that. Uh, so he, many iterations of, uh, yeah. of Dale Cooper. He, he goes from being, you know, there's the performance with Dougie Jones, which is, like, kind of really broad slapstick comedy at points, mm-hmm. which is really, really funny. And then he goes to the um, the complete darkness of the evil Coop. The evil Bob Cooper. Evil Bob, which is just, like, unsettling. There's, like, moments where he's on screen where, you like, he's so captivating to watch, and he, he's terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think about it a lot. I think about moments from it. I think about, like, there's a scene where a guy just sweeps. For like five minutes. <laughs> it's just that long and that's, shot. Of... And that's more interesting than some of the TV I've watched ever since. Like that was that more captivating. It kind of was like just a nice little break. And this also, Twin Peaks The Return came out like the summer where Game of Thrones was on. And I just found myself wanting to watch Twin Peaks more than Game of Thrones. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of times people say they they talk about art house things as being like you know self-indulgent uh just doing stuff just because it has no meaning but david lynch actually is like the master of the abstract you know Mm -hmm. like there's like a difference between somebody being abstract and somebody being abstract with a purpose which i know seems like it's a contradiction in terms but david lynch is abstract with a purpose everything he does Mm -hmm. and at least in his mind is is part of a greater tapestry of work you know Mm -hmm. and i feel like david lynch is probably one of the most premier like artists when it comes to to abstract and um metaphor and symbolism and all that stuff and i know i'm sure there's somebody going you know like whatever but it's it's true like nobody does it like lynch and people that do it lesser get called fake lynch you know or trying to be like lynch because he's mastered the abstract you know and that's not for everybody it's okay if you don't like it you know Mm -hmm. but i I feel like a lot of people try to act like he's just like making shit up and not doing anything when actually like it takes you know talent and skill to make abstract watchable i think well i think there's even like people say there's no purpose to it i think it's really one of the better revivals of this last decade of bringing back shows because it's a show about how you can't go back it's right one of the best critiques of nostalgia in living memory. Absolutely. So much of it, like, when you think it's going to zig, it zags. Mm-hmm. And that that is the benefit of this run on, of Twin Peaks. Because he's basically saying, like, yeah, there is no purpose to bringing this back. Mm-hmm. So let's do what we want. Because mm-hmm. the, because what I made already happened and that moment is past. And we'll never, we'll, that lightning will never strike again. So why try to repeat it? Let's do something different. That's mm-hmm. that's how a revival should be. It should be completely different. It shouldn't be more of the same. Because you're never going to live up to people's nostalgic memories of the original anyway. It also begs the question whether or not going back to the past 25 years later was necessarily the best idea. He even makes that pretty apparent in the final episode with mm. what year is this 
um, was this the right decision to make to go back and yeah. do this? Because you can you can ruin a, a good thing by meddling with it in a yeah. way that oh, yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, the, I'm talking about the ones that George you Lucas. Shush your mouth. Well, no, you know what I'm saying. I know. I know. Like George yeah. Lucas kept just going back and changing these things over and over. Like when it was already good, just stop touching it. Yeah, just leave it alone. McClunky. <laughs> McClunky. <laughs> we don't need a live action or CGI job of the hut. Just Twin stop. Peaks. Stop touching stuff. <laughs> and to think so, David Lynch almost directed Return of the Jedi. That yeah, awesome. that probably would have been awesome. Maybe. They were like, mm, yeah, <laughs> mm, no. Well, Lynch refused the offer, and yeah. he was asked about how did he get that offer, and he said, that is one of life's great mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Michelle. Hmm, I'm going to go with... Oh, this is also from 2015. That was a good-ass year. Um, the lobster. I'm going to go with show. The Lobster. I love the lobster. <laughs> By um, I'm probably gonna butcher his name. Your girl, your girl, Lathem, Lanthimos. Yorgos Lanthimos. Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah, Yorgos Lanthimos. He's like one of my favorite directors too. Like, but the lobster. So the lobster is basically about some weird reality where if you don't fall in love within, I can't remember the amount of time. It's like ninety days. Ninety days. Uh, you get turned into an animal. Um, and you get to choose what kind of animal. You get animal. to choose yeah. the animal you get turned into. Um, so I guess people don't want to get turned into an animal, so they go to basically like this school to like hook up with other people. Like they learn how to be in relationships so that they can attract a mate, so they don't have to choose their animal. But also they like hunt people. I guess people maybe that don't want to be part of the <laughs> the relationship. Yeah. Like you know, grind. They are like running away, like hiding out in the woods, and they hunt them. But so like the movie's like this really high concept thing. But the performances are like so Lanthimos has this thing where he has all his actors uh act in this detached way, like very uh like very monotone when they speak. Everybody seems like they're on quaaludes, but the whole movie's like that. So like everybody's yeah. like that. And it's and it's so off-putting at first. I remember the first time I watched it, I was like so just why i was like why is everybody acting like is this on purpose they're like, very clipped in yeah. the way they talk it's yeah but it's but it's purposeful and he does it almost mm. in every movie except for the favorite yeah. and i think the only reason it's not like that in the favorites because he didn't write that's the first movie he directed he didn't write yeah um but they just talk in this really monotone strange way and the movie's like it's like actually a very intelligent movie about relationships and how people interact with each other and how everybody puts on this facade when they're trying to attract somebody but that's not how they really are so they end up attracting people that are in love with like a fake version of themselves mm. and it's just a super dark like thing about relationships but it's also like goofy and mega dark humor in it yeah. too and like if you haven't seen any Lanthimos movies, I think that's a really good starting point. Is the Lobster because you get a you get a big dose of like his weirdness, um, and his and his style, but you don't. It's not as it's not as upsetting as something like Dogtooth because that Dog was Tooth, my first. Yeah, yeah. Dogtooth is Dog Tooth. actually was my first too, um, but that movie's like fucked up, <laughs> like uh, like on a lot of levels, and I but feel it's like a different kind of fucked up. Yeah, mm. I feel like it's a little too. I feel like it's a little too harsh to start out with if you would want to get into like his style. Well, but um, it's not the most user friendly movie. No, no, I think the Lobster and or the Favorite maybe. Yeah, I think the Favorite is the most 
accessible that he's done. That's the least like his style, though. Mm. But that's the first. That's the only movie of his that I wasn't completely on board with, and I was a fan of his just from Dogtooth and The Lobster. I remember when I saw The Lobster, it was in Ann Arbor. It was before A24 bought it. It was owned by another company named Alchemy. And I thought that was the only time I was going to see it. And it was weird seeing trailers come up months later from another company and it getting a wide theatrical release. Yeah, I remember actually, I mean, it's going to sound like <laughs> crappy, but I, I think I saw it. I think we downloaded it because I could, it wasn't playing anywhere by me. And I was like, it was so intriguing to me. But if, you know... The you know I did buy the Blu-ray so if people want to get mad I did give them money eventually but yeah. I I wanted to watch it and it wasn't playing anywhere yeah. and then it didn't come out on Blu-ray forever too it came out like a year later maybe a year and a half later after yeah, it, it was released it was out in Europe like forever forever and that was before yeah, I, I was region free and yeah, I imported I remember stuff you imported the thing I yeah that was before I imported things so I was just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and I was like <laughs> fuck this I I was like download it but then download I did buy it. it but that's my pick. I'm a computer. Stop all the downloading. <laughs> Pork top sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> kid, get the fuck out of here. Nobody's going to know fuck, what that is. Dead. That's like younger. It's a classic. Like 30 and up. That's who's going to get those references. You're not cooking. I, I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, Liam. Um, so I'm going to go with one of my – a movie I rewatch a lot is uh, Martin Scorsese's The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, I think yes. it is it is a nearly three-hour orgy of sex, drugs, mm. and just mm. everything. I think it's the best performance mm. DiCaprio mm. ever did. Mm. I think he deserved the Oscar for mm. Wolf of Wall Street over The Revenant because it's He's such really a – He's really good in that. It's yeah. such a committed performance. Like, he goes – uh, like he goes to 11 in that movie it's such a uh interesting take on that material you know like it's it's very similar to goodfellas in tone and it in its energy and its in edits, it moves, yeah it being a gangster epic in yeah. many ways yeah um it has some great supporting performances i love jonah hill in that movie yeah he's, he's such a dick he's really new issue it. day that's Cut. when he was uh that's when he was thinner yeah, when he was trying to slim be, thick. He was trying to be slimmer. Hill. He's a little. Slim he's a little hill. slim thick in it. Slim thick. Steve <laughs> Madden. Steve. Steve Madden. Dude, that entire part was tripping me out so hard when he's t- when he's on the Quaaludes and or whatever. Just... <laughs> it's such a good performance. It's like a such a good physical performance. And it's like though. Buster Keaton style. Physical yeah, and slow mo, where he's just walking down. And yeah, it's. It's great. Um, I also really like John Barenthal in it. He's like the right amount of douchebag in mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Which he plays very well. Yeah. It's just, it's so much fun to watch. Margot Robbie, oh my God. That was her first. <laughs> I'm just not going to comment. She's really hot in it. She's really hot. Exactly. I'm just not going to comment. <laughs> <laughs> but man, like, it, it kind of blows my mind that, you know, how old was Scorsese when he made that? He was in his 70s. 70s. He's in his 70s. And he dropped that. And he made, like, this super high octane, sex filled, horny ass, high oct, like, party, cocaine fueled just movie. The- Somehow like he, evaded in NC-17. Yeah. yeah, Like, the, he made that, like, in his 70s. Like, it's just damn. A, it was just a total blast of a movie. Yeah. And I always re- I remember, like, people were like, oh, you know, it's it's on his side. It's, uh, like, whatever. And I was like, no, you're wrong. 
Oh, because people thought it was kind of glorifying. Yeah, like that lifestyle. Jordan but- Belfort. Yeah, it's a it is a glorification when he punches his wife and does cocaine and yeah. then takes the kid I, out of there. I mean, it's yeah. I mean it's because like you know Leonardo DiCaprio is charismatic. Yeah, it, I mean, and he's a protagonist, so you're kind of rooting for him a little. Yeah, you know, because that's just what who the movie's following. But mm-hmm. it's obviously like a story about excess excesses like destroying him mm, you know mm. like because he's never happy with what he has he always wants more right yeah so like he keeps wanting more until there's nothing left to get and then like he just just he just collapses in on himself like a dying fucking star see i just thought it was just a portrait of like american capitalistic excess that's yeah. how i look at that movie like mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of comedy in it and yeah. i don't really think he was glorifying any of it i'm like he's yeah. really showing this guy is kind of a dick nozzle he frames Mm. there's literally shots of the extras in that movie they're all like screaming and like foaming at the mouth like like they're like feral like when he starts chanting he's like i'm not fucking leaving and they're just like dancing and chanting it's insane that's kind of how that wasn't that this movie takes place in the 80s right yeah like the 80s were just absolute capitalism at its fucking peak boy like it was like money is god like you know like just absolute peak capitalism frothing you know, and then the big crash. But yeah, <laughs> it's one of the fastest moving three hour movies too. You don't notice that it's that long. I honestly didn't even know it was three hours because I've just never yeah. thought it felt like long. It just looked. it's just a trip. I I I love showing it to people who haven't seen it, yeah. and I just love watching it. It's amazing. All right, so I'm actually going to shift to 2016. Oh, a different year. A different yeah. year. All right. And this is one that I don't think a lot of people have seen. I don't know if even all of you guys have seen it or not, but it's uh, Andrea Arnold's American Honey. I really I liked uh, American Honey. I never saw that one. This movie is absolutely amazing, and there's two reasons why. The Well, really three reasons why. The director is phenomenal, super talented, super absolutely talented, Second reason is the way it treats reality in this movie, like nothing feels false. Mm. All the characters feel like real people. The story takes place in our reality. Nothing's amplified. Everything is just very just flat. It's very lived in. Yeah, it's a very lived in feel. It's basically about um, those people that go door to door selling magazines mm-hmm. okay and the shit they go through deal it's a big scam yeah. for the most part yeah um but the third part is shia labeouf in this movie oscar caliber performance like you guys know how much i love him as yeah. an actor i think that he is one of the greatest working actors around today he was great in the peanut butter falcon yeah. as well he exists in these indie films much differently than he did, like, in Transformers. Mm-hmm. Like, he's really talented. He can do drama very, very well, and he can do comedy very well, too. In this movie, he plays a total scumbag, you know, taking advantage of this poor girl yeah. for the entire movie. Um, you know, he's just kind of, like, down on his luck, dirty, yeah. long hair, beard, just that... He has the rat tail in that one, Yeah, right? he's got <laughs> a rat tail in this, like, so he's kind of... White trash, yeah. you'd say. Yeah. Very, you know, Florida. 
<laughs> Florida Man. Yeah, is, he's Florida yeah, Man. He that's is. part of A24's Florida movies. Yeah, you can watch but that. the entire movie is about you know him basically womanizing and taking advantage of this poor girl, and them like traveling across the United States trying to sell magazine subscriptions to people that just so happen to answer their front door. Very like. You hear slice of life a lot. Yeah. That's what this movie is. It's just like a slice of life gets you into somebody else's reality. And it's two hours and 43 minutes long, too. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like it at all. So, also, I think this was filmed in an alternate ratio as well. So. Yeah, from what I remember. Yeah. So, this is probably in my top 10 of the decade. Mm. If you haven't seen it, see it. American Honey. All right, Andrew. I'm since, done. Since we're on Florida movies, uh, Florida man. Um, I I have to go with Spring Breakers. <gasps> Harmony Korine Spring Breakers. Oh, I'm so excited. Wait, you were so that excited. one? Uh, that was. Gosh, let's see here. I think that was 2012, 2013. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was it 2015? The, the magical I don't know why I thought it was... I think they might have held it for a little bit. Oh. Yeah, either way. Even without the social critique and coming into it, having seen Harmony Korine's other movies, it's such a wicked blast of energy from beginning to end. And it uh, visually absolutely stunning. That was the first time, I think, Gaspar Noe's cinematographer, Benoit Deby, worked with Harmony Korine and started shooting movies in America. And... This was the first of Harmony Korine's Miami, Florida movies. Like before this, he was doing these really kind of gritty, ugly uh, suburban movies like Gummo or Julian Donkey Boy, mm-hmm. and they were very dour and downbeat. Now he's doing these bright, colorful, sort of life affirming uh, Miami, Florida movies. The Beach Bum also being among them. But I thought with Spring Breakers, it was kind of like our generation's natural born killers the natural born killers of absolutely this millennia as far as uh depicting uh, materialistic and sensual excess and amassing everything and coming away with nothing that being among the major themes it's got a brilliant performance by uh James Franco, probably still his career best, even mm-hmm. better, I'd say, than you know, Wieso in The Disaster Artist. I think he really, that's the pinnacle of his career. I would agree. Yeah. Um, brilliant soundtrack by uh, uh, Cliff Martinez, who... Yeah, soundtrack is really yeah. good. Probably my favorite composer working today, I'd say. Him and Clint Mansell are my top two. And... Uh, Spring yeah. Breakers is a funny one because this movie is so divisive. Yeah. And like when I tell people this is one of my favorite movies of all time, they're like, you're crazy. That movie sucks. And I'm like, tell me what sucks about it. And they can't. It's just because it makes you feel bad at points. Mm-hmm. I That's think people literally... kind of fundamentally misunderstand what the movie is saying. Yeah. But I feel like they think it's like this really vapid like piece on just like, oh, it's a bunch of teenagers having sex and doing stuff. When actually like the whole point of the movie is that it's like – you know, it's, it's deconstructing millennial, you know, like how millennials are like disaffected right now. And it's they feel an like they don't belong anywhere. Instant gratification. Yeah. The entire yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the way I always yeah. looked at it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. sorry, I mean to talk over you. No. 
I try not to do that. <laughs> I do that too often. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's one of my picks for the decade, Spring Breakers. Yeah. It's an awesome movie. And like it, this one, this is a twice a year watch for me. Yeah, I, I show this one off a lot. I've, I think I just rewatched it a couple weeks ago. And I love it. I love Spring Break. Well, I remember after shit. we saw this, like we had like, I remember we had like Ed and Barry and them over here to watch that. You were here for that, right? I think so. Yeah. And like they had just heard nothing but bad things about it. And they watched it down here in the theater and they were like, what? Like that was one of the best movies I've seen like all year. Mm. So yeah. If you don't like Spring Breakers, there's something wrong up here. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my shit. Look at all my <laughs> shit. Scarface on repeat. Constant, I got, got Calvin Klein. I smell nice. All my I smell shit. nice. That performance is so hilarious. It's so great. I love I love that they like ran an Oscar campaign for him. He should have gotten it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then when he world. won, if he had won, he should have got the Oscar and be like, look at all my shit. shit. Like pointed at it. He should have gone in as Antler. Well, and it's funny too. Like if you pay attention to like the, the female leads in this movie, Selena Gomez, Vanessa Hudgens. Ashley Benson, not really so much Rachel Kareen, but like those three, like like these are like Disney girls yeah. and girls that are like mm-hmm. CW shows. And like they were kind of like the whole formation of what they are kind of like dissing in yeah. this movie for the most oh, part. That was very so. purposeful. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're all great. Mm-hmm. All right. Michonne. Um, I'm going to take it back to <laughs> 2011. And yeah, I'm gonna, and fuck I'm gonna, you, 2015. <laughs> tired of that year. I'm going to pick The Raid. Oh, that was on mine, too. Yeah. That was the also- Raid is just like, and you know, I would say I like The Raid a little more than Fury Road. Because The Raid's a little more pure. It's like a pure mm. action flick. And it's also like very lean. Like a lot of action films, I think, make the mistake of trying to make, um, have too much going on outside of the action. I think the John Wick movies are kind of starting to do this a little bit. Like the first John Wick is like action right and the second john wick's a little bit more lore and the third one's all kinds of crazy lore and yeah it, i feel like there's the best the best of the best action films are very simple premise so the raid is there's a dude that's got like an apartment complex and it's like 100 stories high and he's on the 100th floor and they're on the first floor and they got to get to the 100th floor and it's a bunch of cops and they're kicking ass on every floor on the way up it's like a fucking mm. video game Sounds point like a judge tried yeah it's like point a to point <laughs> b though it's like there's no weird there's like one little side plot concerning the cop and his brother lives in an apartment and his brother's a thug and then he's a cop and they're like oh no we're meeting and we're related but yet we're on different sides yeah. like a very small side plot but the main plot is whooping ass and getting from point the bottom to the top and it's like every floor is like a level you know like a level in the video game yeah i don't want to say video game like the cheap in it though like it's like it, it i mean the 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 fight choreography in this film is absolutely fan fucking tastic. It's like the, it's snappy. There, you can everybody in the film are like real martial artists. So there's not like all these quick editing and stuff. Like you see these really long, uncut scenes of them just whooping ass. There's like a really fantastic stunt team working. Um, the fights are just brutal and like like bone breaking. And there's like a lot of impact in them. And yeah. It, like there's a two on one fight, probably one of the best two on one fights I've seen since like a Shaw Brothers movie. Mm. Like it's so fluidly coordinated. Like it, it's just like brutal. They're like stabbing each other in the neck with like you know pieces of a light bulb and that's blood's so, flying I, that's everywhere. That's my favorite part in that whole movie. It's, it's just so a, it's awesome. honestly one of probably my top three action movies of all time. Seriously, and I've seen a lot of action movies. 
Mad Dog. He's yeah. fucking cool as shit. It's probably the best Asian action movie since Hard Boiled. It's like just just absolute action from beginning to end and every piece of the movie it's lean as fuck there's not there's not any extra like yeah there's story. no fat to be trimmed there's no this. fat in this movie it's all ass whooping the end and you're like that was awesome and you know i don't like lincoln park i feel like they're kind of corny however the one guy from lincoln park did the score and it's really good yeah. Like, oh yeah he, he does yeah. really good atmospheric stuff i was like mm-hmm. man he should maybe like stick to that instead yeah. of whatever the other <laughs> crawling in my park, skin or whatever lincoln park's mm-hmm. done so yeah. yeah what happened to him the uh, guy died did Just, he yeah remember chester bennington yeah. the singer he hung himself when yeah. like two years ago Really? Right after yeah. Chris Cornell died. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Is that the guy that did the music in the raid? No. No, Mike, oh. Mike Shindo is the guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, he Mike could still Shino- make another movie. Shinoda? Yeah. yeah, Shinoda. He's okay. pretty good. I, Does he I do like other his... scores? Oh, yeah. Because that was a really good score. Yeah, and he's yeah. had another like group going, too. Oh, okay. He does yeah. a lot of their beats. And yeah. Stuff. He does a lot of electronic oh. music. Because like you could tell. like I was like, man, he must have been like the background guy or something. Because I was yeah. like, this is like very atmospheric and ambient yeah. mm. but really like pulse pounding and it's a really good score yeah yeah he does a lot of that stuff he's gotta do more of that I, I really like the score on that one yeah there's actually two scores for that film there's the there's the an original one yeah there's too. an Indonesian score and then there's a there's his uh they did his score for the when they released it here in the states yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah he's done all kinds of soundtrack work oh good yeah, because I, I thought I did a fantastic yeah. job. I like his score better than Indonesian score, and I usually don't like, you know, alternate scores like that. But he did the um the the seed, which is a short, and then he did all he did the main theme music for Into the Badlands. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then um, composition wise, he's done a bunch of stuff too. I'm glad so, to hear. Yeah, very cool. And yeah. the rate, and I know, like, I'm kind of like cheating a little bit but the raid 2 is really good too the raid 2 one of the best sequels ever yeah the the raid Raid 2 takes and and i and remember everything i was just saying about it being simple well the raid 2 is not and then but it's still good yeah it's the raid 2 has like more of that like like godfather type gangster saga to it yeah Mm -hmm. i actually like the raid 2 more than the raid 1 just because of that extra texture to it i also love the kitchen fight in the raid 2 yeah that that is like the peak of like yeah. Oh my! I saw that movie like three times in the theater just to see that fight, and we like lost our shit. Like it was like maybe there's six of us. We skipped. I skipped school to go see this movie. It's like a 25 minute long fight scene. Yeah. It's awesome. And then those guys from that fight scene left that set and they went over to the Force Awakens. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I remember yeah. when I saw Force Awakens. I was like, hey, that's the Rain dudes. And then they never do. They don't <laughs> yeah. have them do martial arts. Yeah. Well, he was no. He wasn't one of them. The the stormtrooper with the tonfas. He had like the laser tonfas. Uh, wasn't that him? Maybe. Wasn't no, that one it of was. Them? They were boarding when the Millennium Falcon gets taken onto that frigate. Well, they're they there too, there. but I thought like he was in that suit. He was in the stormtrooper suit doing the tonfa stuff. If he stuff. was, if he was the guy who yells "traitor," that would be great because he's <laughs> my favorite part of that movie. <laughs> traitor. Just so much. Emotion but I just remember I was super bored in the Force Awakens, and then like that stormtrooper comes out with them laser tonfas. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, "Well, <laughs> yeah." I was like, "Whoa!" I would love. I want a whole. <laughs> Thing about him yeah. yeah i want a whole side story fuck solo I me mean, i want to learn about that tonfa guy how did he learn that shit where was he doing what's his life like they should put that in there they should make a whole kung fu 
like Star Wars movie that featuring be, Tomfa Trooper. That should be what Obi Wan should be. Yeah, Mandalorian's a Western. Obi Wan should be a straight up kung fu movie. It probably will be. Just Turkish have him Star Wars. Just yeah. have him going around, just like fucking shit up. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> All right, Liam. Okay. Hit us. So I'm. Uh, hit me. Hit me. Um, <sighs> I'm gonna suggest one of my favorite uh, kids movies, uh, Paddington Two. I think Paddington Two is a sequel that is better than the first movie and i think it's just a romp it's just delightful it's kind of like a if wes anderson did more stuff like fantastic mr fox but there's a little more realism to it yeah and the cgi for paddington isn't terrible he looks like he's actually there and it's just a warm feel-good movie um Hugh Grant gives probably the best performance of his career as an as like a washed up kind of actor. He like leans into the kind of like he hasn't been in movies. So he like is just this actor who tries to frame Paddington and then he goes to jail. He has to break out of prison. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen the Paddington movies, but everybody keeps telling me they're super good. They're they're delightful. They can I watch part two without though. watching part one, or is it like um, a connected story thing? They're not. Well, can, if you don't watch part one, you're not going to see how they made the bear. Yeah. Oh, because well, I'm, f- I'm the familiar. first one has the scene where the mom and bear dad bear get <laughs> yeah. together and, and they they make I mean, they you, stuff each other. Bear babies, they stuff yeah. each. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could watch. I I think it works as a standalone, the but suit. the first one's fun too. Okay. <laughs> the second one's better. The first one's bearable. Yeah, it's is not even he bad. A bear Jew. <laughs> He's a bear Jew. <laughs> I would watch that. I'd watch the shit out of that. That'd be awesome. That'd be pretty sweet. If he just comes out with a bastard. Paddington. It's an Eli Roth. It was Paddington. <laughs> I wish it was in Glorious Bastards. I wish it was Sandler. Yeah. Instead of Eli Roth, Paddington which is the way it was supposed to be. Nicholas Cage inside a bear suit. He's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want some marmalade right now. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds just like it. <laughs> I steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Why do you have such a good Nicolas Cage impression? Just I like watched, on deck. I watched all this shit. It's just <laughs> burned into my brain. <laughs> all right. I'm a vampire. Killing I'm me won't vampire. bring back your goddamn honey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, one that we talk about a lot on here mm-hmm. 2014. Christopher Nolan's best movie, Interstellar. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's his best one, but it's okay. It's my, it's my favorite. favorite. It is. Yeah. It's my favorite. Same. I just like, I love sci-fi yeah. in just this movie. I just love it. And I love Matthew McConaughey in this movie, too. Yeah. And I just like the way they, like, they show the future, but it's not really, like, too much like the future. It's just, like, this Dust Bowl era. Yeah. And things are getting fucked up, and, like, we got to make... You just got to build this thing and get the fuck out of here. I love that you aspect know? of it. It's all kind of shitty, all worn down. Yeah, I like the first part of that movie a lot more than I like the second part. Yeah. I think the second part, especially the bits with Anne Hathaway, kind of made me just go, oh, okay. I like the and I like the third act the most out of the movie. I, I like the weird Tesseract stuff. That was cool. That and was I feel, cool. And I feel like if it would have ended at the Tesseract stuff, it would have been good, but it has like yeah. five more endings. <laughs> There's the whole... It's like you can't stop this movie from having <laughs> more things happening. The other issue I have is that like he... I understand that like he loves his daughter Murph, but the other kid just gets fucked over. So like Tom or whatever his <laughs> name is, do like... I, 
Casey Affleck. Casey Affleck and then um, young Chalamet in the younger part. Yeah. Timothy Chalamet. He was just kind of a dick, though. He was, but like... So he's kind of like, fuck this kid. I really don't like you yeah, as much as I, I like just love, her. I love that he like meets all of his descendants, all of his like future children. Yeah, he was just like, she's going to be and super he's like, hot when she gets older, so yeah. we got to care about well, her. going to be Jessica Chastain, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. I get why you'd like Murph more. It's just he totally didn't give a shit about what happened to this kid, like, at all. I think that he had more just this emotional connection yeah. to her, because, you know, most parents do have... I didn't say that. They have a favorite? It's It's got probably my favorite Hans but Zimmer like, score out of any yeah, of yeah, Hans Zimmer scores. Dude, that score is amazing. I it, do love that score. The docking bay scene. Yeah. Just, yeah. You know, that's all I need in life. I saw yeah. that movie in 70 millimeter and it made my brain explode yeah. during that docking set. I was like, Good lord! And we, we had to sit really close because we got there late, so it was just like my whole entire yeah. feel the vision was like. We went up the to screen. the booth and looked at the print afterwards. Yeah. too. that was that was an experience. That was. Uh, I think that was the first movie I saw on seventy millimeter. Now when I think about it. Same. Yeah, because that started this whole I, yeah. trend. Yeah. Of yeah. Releasing stuff in that format. I saw it in thirty-five millimeter, and the print was jacked up. It was mm. a no. really bad shape. It was hard to watch. I wish seventy millimeter caught on more the entire time, but. I thought with this one, uh, for me, why it's my favorite was it was the first Nolan film that embraced emotion and melodrama, yeah. whereas his other films are usually kind of clinical and detached. And mm-hmm. this like was Dunkirk, the, which I actually liked. I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I do like was... Dunkirk, but that is it's very detached from the characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never felt any connection to them whatsoever. I mean the so, whole the whole scene. Uh, if you're not affected on some level by the scene where he has to leave um, his daughter Murph Murphy for the first time, and uh, he's already gone, I thought that whole sequence was um, probably Nolan's most emotionally powerful sequence that he's mm-hmm. created in his filmography. That was the first time also he worked with a different cinematographer than Wally Pfister, because I never really liked the look of Nolan's earlier movies. I always thought they looked kind of What's the dry. Word? Kind of dry, kind yeah. of uh, stagnant, stagnant, dimly lit, and this was the first time where I thought finally there's there's color and there's detail in his movies. There's light; you can actually see what's happening, and it was it was a nice, fresh change of pace for him. It was the movie of his that turned me into a Nolan fan. Before that, I was just okay on him. This was the first one that I I kept going back for more. Yeah. That's why Von Hama did that one, right? Yes. Yeah. I really like the colors. and that It's a good-looking movie. The whole thing is beautiful. Mm. And I love, like, a lot of the... I love that he still embraces practical effects. Mm-hmm. And, like, those robots were, like, actual robots that they built that <laughs> yeah. did so stuff. Cool. Yeah. I didn't. I actually didn't know that till I watched a behind-the-scenes thing. And I was like, no, I I thought they were CGI for some reason because I just figured if they're robots, yeah. they're not going to make robots. And then I watched the the behind-the-scenes, and they had a little thing they were moving them with. I was like, what? The Tesseract was done practically. Was it? Yeah, it was rear projections. There were fifteen wow. projectors going, doing all the ribbons. I mean, they they created them with CG, but they projected them onto a set. Oh, I didn't know that. That's really That's cool. cool. Yeah. But he's one of the few, I think, directors that A, he embraces practical effects, B, he likes using film still, um, you know, so I feel like he's one of the f- the few old school style directors we still have that make modern films. So and that's, still that's, is kind of groundbreaking. Yeah, and, that, and that's, I think mm-hmm. that's something to be applauded, even if you don't like Nolan's films, yeah. like he's keeping some aspects of film still alive in a, in you know, in our era, which is good. 
We got like seven more minutes, so we can probably get one or two more in. Uh, you were cracking jokes about it earlier, but I'm I'm gonna have to throw Nicholas Finding Reference Drive out there. The film that uh, yeah, not the film that put him on the map. I I already was familiar with him from Bronson and Valhalla Rising, but yeah. that was probably his first and only uh, strike at the mainstream that uh, didn't catch on initially, but sort of word of mouth started yeah. to generate yeah. a following, and it won rightfully won the best director award it can. It's kind of an update of Taxi Driver and Old Boy in some ways, mm-hmm. particularly with the use of the hammer. Yeah, but. Really, the that whole opening sequence is pure perfection. The title sequence, one of the best title sequences in mm. film of the last decade, when he's just driving and it's Kavinsky's Night Call playing over the opening credits. I still listen to that song occasionally. Yeah. I think just, this is like jam. the one movie of his that still gets like a lot of like like the pop culture like iconography. Like yeah. people yeah. really still like connect to this one. Mm. And if you show somebody something from Drive. Like, they know it's from Drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas a lot of his other movies, they don't. Yeah. yeah. The Driver's Jacket is a great Super Halloween iconic. costume. Yeah. 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 You know what's funny is, like, when that movie, there's a trailer for it, and I didn't actually know who NWR was prior to that. I I think I'd seen Bronson, but I didn't really, like, he wasn't, like, on my radar or anything. And there was a trailer, and they cut it to where it would look like Fast and the Furious. Mm, so yeah. I didn't go see yeah. it because I don't like Fast and the Furious. Yeah. And I was like, oh, some boring car movie with Ryan Gosling, whatever, I don't care. And then I read a review where some lady thought it was going to be like Fast and Furious, and then she was complaining that it was brooding and slow burn and boring. And She sued. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was that <laughs> review. And I was like, wait a minute. That sounds like shit I like. If like, everything can, she hated is stuff right. I like. And so I went and saw yeah. it. I was, like, blown away. I was like, what? <laughs> I almost yeah. missed this because th- it had a terrible trailer. Yeah, the marketing on this was very yeah. poor. They tried very to make poor. it like it was super-duper action-packed. I can just imagine somebody going into that thinking it's going to be, like, Fast and the Furious. And there's, like, maybe one or two driving scenes <laughs> in it. They're like, what the fuck? It's just Ryan Gosling staring into space with cool music. and Ryan, then, girl. Ryan Gosling, Tokyo mm-hmm. Drift. Yeah. All right, Michelle, give us one. Uh, let me see. Oh, here's a newer one because I didn't <laughs> really do a lot of newer ones. Uh, Call Me By Your Name, which came out in 2017. Oh, yeah. mm. And that was another movie, like, actually, uh, I didn't really know too much about that one, really. I just knew it was about a, a gay relationship mm. in the 80s in Italy. You know, the funny thing about it is after I saw that movie, I read the book to it while traveling in Italy on a train for extra points. I just, I don't know. I just thought, I just thought you know what? Did if you I'm, eat peaches you're while in that No. <laughs> but I was like, I'm in Italy. I just bought Call Me By Your Name. It takes place in Italy. I can literally read the book in Italy. So we had a lot of train rides, and I finished the whole book on various train rides through the countryside in Italy. Yeah. And that's I, my... I love that movie. I think um, Timothy Chalamet's performance in that movie, especially the very last scene, yes. is the most heartbreaking, like... Uh, just performance of the last five years where I when I saw that movie I saw it on uh, New Year's Day and it was just kind of like oh let's go see a movie you know I hadn't seen this yet and then that scene hit me and it was just like a punch in the gut and I was like this kid's gonna fucking win the award and they gave it to Gary Oldman for some boring ass fucking stupid movie uh, I like Darkness Falls. Or was it Darkness Falls? It was or the... Darkest the Hour. Darkest, Darkest hour. hour. Not Darkness Falls. I honestly could not stay awake. <laughs> <laughs> I, I fell asleep I, like halfway through it. I and thought I that and 
Dunkirk were good companion pieces, though I prefer Dunkirk to it. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked Dunkirk way more than that one. But about Call Me by Your Name, um, it's very I love, sensual. It's movie. very like it's there's like just the way it's framed. Luca Guadagnino just shoots very seductively. Mm-hmm. It's like a, there's European. lots of crisp colors. There's lots of um, it's very vivid to look at. It's very beautiful. You have the moments where like the blues are really blue when they're out like swimming. Yeah, it's just it's that has stuck with me a lot, and I also really like the soundtrack. You know, what's funny is when I went and saw it, and like you know, I always post my movie posters, and I always try to yeah. find interesting ones. So I had no idea about this movie other than I knew it was about a gay relationship. Mm. But I posted a poster; it was just a peach, <laughs> and everybody was like, "Merry, Merry Peach!" I was like, "Why is everybody being like weird about this peach?" And then I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I get it." That's, yeah, I remember you posted <laughs> that, and I was like. Everybody's does, does like, know about I the did peach? it. Everybody's like, nom, 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 peach. Nom, nom. In the comments, I was like, what is happening about this peach? And then I was, after the movie was over, I was like, oh. Yeah. Well, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and if you haven't seen it, you too can find out what's the deal with the peach. It's, and yeah. call me by your name. There's like, Parasite also has a thing with peaches. Yeah, it does. Mm. It's oh. less sexy. Yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Unless you have an allergy fetish. <laughs> Don't kink shame me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm sorry, Liam, but we're at 90 minutes. That's fair. What was going to be your last one? My last Just one. Just tell us. My last one was going to be uh, Blade Runner. Oh. Yeah, okay. oh, yeah, I had cool. that one too. Yeah, so I think all of us would agree. We have like on a whole episode one. about that one, yeah. don't we? Yeah, I'll link yeah. that one in yeah. here too. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll be back next week with something. I don't know what. Maybe a sh- whole show on peaches or allergies. <laughs> Dude, that'd be great. Movies about peaches or you, what we movies. eat at the movie theater. Movies about fruit. <laughs> movies about fruit. How to Ooh. carefully cut a hole. In the popcorn bucket. Honestly, I, we need that. We need the expertise. Diner yeah, I need, style. I need techniques. Mickey Rourke style. <laughs> I will train you all. Liam helped me with that last night. You're welcome. At the Irishman. It was a three-hour... Hey, that was a marathon session. Yeah, three and a half hours. I should have gotten an applause for that. You need yeah. a lot of popcorn for that. I was like, hey, more butter. <laughs> you started talking in a fake Italian accent. Hey, you got any more butter here? <laughs> hey, get my butter. I mean, funny. Eh? You motherfucker. <laughs> you motherfucker. You. I need a cherry icy right here. You, you motherfucker, you. <laughs> you fucking varmint, you. Where's the strong box? <laughs> Is this Every a DCP? His family's Joe all Pesci. rats. Joe Pesci, but he's really into cinema. Is this a DCP screening? <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're out. Bye. 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 Visit us at www.themoviesleuth.com and find The Movie Sleuth on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and iTunes.